0: Legally Sound Smart Business presents Behind the Buy.
1: So I guess he has a broker now, it's a little weird. but they don't want to provide any financials.
0: His role is
2: still a little unclear to me.
1: Sometimes companies uh, end up just backing out.
2: We aren't even sure how we're going to structure this deal. He's being a little unrealistic. I literally had to walk him through the buying process.
1: Yeah, like I have time to waste.
0: This is Legally Sound Smart Business, where your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Staub, cover business in the news and add their awesome legal twist. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast brought to you by Pasha Law PC, a law firm representing your business in California, Illinois, New York, and Texas. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Staub. All right, welcome to our third episode of
3: Behind the Buy this is where we're going to encounter a third party interloper which usually they're not it's the the broker episode right right matt
2: yeah the the broker we've we have our first and i guess prior first and only introduction to another party into this this series right
3: and i have to say this is the first time that our listeners are hearing and i think we, we could have easily predicted this but this is the first time where our listeners here a transaction starts to just take a little bit of a different direction than what's expected and again that's common and i think we mentioned at the beginning of our series or last episode that you you kind of have to walk into these transactions expecting the unexpected to be really agile otherwise you're just you're it's, you're going to stress yourself out and it's also going to get in the way of getting a
2: deal done yeah it, I kind of look at it in the sense of you know any any kind of big event, big transaction. There's going to be things that are going to pop up that you just have to be prepared for, or prepare as much as you can. Not not to throw it back to our our wedding analogy, but I I look at it as a wedding. Like you you know something's going to happen leading up to it or on the day of too, and you just have to you know be prepared to fix whatever needs to be fixed and and move along and make sure that you you hit the finish line.
3: Right. So we're going to play the call here in a second. There's a couple calls in this one. Our buyer gives Matt a call without me. Luckily, he recorded that call. That's my favorite
2: call. I'm jealous.
3: That's your favorite call? (laughs) Right. Okay, so and then, but we do have a vocab review. We, we used a couple words from that we used from last episode, including letter of intent (LOI). I think that's pretty self-explanatory. But a couple of new ones. The first being escrow. What's escrow, Matt?
2: Yeah. So, well, escrow can mean a variety of things, I suppose. But in this context, it's it's going to be used for. There's going to be money that's held for, uh, I guess, a down payment in this transaction and it's held in this escrow until we close.
3: Right. And it's usually a third party, usually unrelated to the transaction. Mm-hmm. We've had experiences where they want us as attorneys, whether it's the buyer's attorney or seller's attorney to act as escrow. And there are circumstances where that may be appropriate. Typically we don't do that because uh, you know there there's t- things that can happen during escrow and that alleviates any kind of conflict of interest. You want your attorneys to be able to represent you throughout the transaction, et cetera. And so the second one, vocab word again, is is a repeat from last time, which is no shop provision. And this actually comes into play in this call, you'll see, because no shop provision is a provision that we actually put in the letter of intent where the parties agree that the seller is not going to go out there and so-called shop around or go to other potential buyers for 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 their project or for their business. And so uh, that's going to come up in this call. So mm-hmm. let's take a listen. And did I miss anything, Matt? Any other vocab words, the and uh <laughs> you wanted to find?
2: No, it was a, it was a pretty uh, normal conversation, these two calls. So I think we're good. Good. Okay. Let's listen yeah. in. Hello?
1: Hey, Matt, how are you?
2: Hey, pretty good. Just uh, catching up on some of your emails, in fact.
1: Okay, so I thought we could just talk it out. I thought that would be easier.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, We're recording, by the way.
1: Okay, got it. Um, So I just got off the phone with the seller. Um, So I assume you saw in my email that they don't want to provide any financials until we sign a purchase agreement.
2: Yeah, I saw that. Did they explain why that was?
1: Yeah, so I guess he has a broker now, and he's being advised not to send us anything until we commit to the seller.
2: Okay, but we aren't even sure how we're going to structure this deal uh, until we get his provider agreements, so you want some basic financials to get an idea of his liabilities, right?
1: Yeah, but he's saying that sometimes companies um, come and show how they are interested in buying, but after... Like spending all this time providing the documentation, they end up just backing out. And so he's really nervous about that and doesn't want to, you know, go through the whole process um, and then, you know, actually it fall through. Uh,
2: He's being a little unrealistic with the size of this transaction, frankly. Uh, He signed the letter of intent, right?
1: Yeah, the day you sent it.
2: Okay. Well, I find it a little weird that he's a broker now since your partner found him as a seller. Uh, we need to remind him that the seller and possibly the broker that there's a no shop provision.
1: Yeah, I really don't get the whole broker thing.
2: Also, the financial information that would be shared is subject to confidentiality per the LOI.
1: Yeah, he mentioned confidentiality as well. And I have a feeling he didn't even read the letter and he just signed it. Um, he did say that if you want to talk to the broker, you can call him and I, I have his contact info.
2: All right. Well, I mean, that's probably what's going to need to happen. Uh, let me update Nasser, and he'll probably want to give him a call as soon as possible.
1: Okay. I'll, um, I'll email you his contact information now.
2: Okay. I'll call you after.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Yeah. No problem. We'll talk soon.
3: Okay. At this point, Matt gives me a call. We talk about what our buyer just outlined for us, and I actually give the broker a phone call. I didn't record that call for obvious reasons. But it kind of gave us information. And then afterwards, we got the buyer back on the line and, and talked further. So he has a second call. Are you there?
1: Hey, Nasser. Uh, just give me one second. Hold on. Yeah, no problem. Okay. Sorry. How's it going?
3: Great. Uh, so I think we worked it out. I, I have Matt here too, by the way.
2: Hi.
1: Hey, Matt.
3: Okay. So I actually just spoke to the broker. It's a, it's a little weird. And his role is still a little unclear to me. But you know, I didn't want to be rude to like just straight up ask him like what your role is here. And and the reason I say that he didn't seem really too experienced because I, I literally had to walk him through the intention of the LOI and the buying process. So again, I don't know exactly what his role is, but I told him we need we need some basic information to structure the deal and just to confirm the purchase price, all these things. So I did express that the buyer you're you're very interested, you want to close as soon as possible, but Given the size of the transaction, I, I explained to him like in the market, this usually takes at least two to three months to actually turn this around. But I did tell him, I, you know, I think we can move faster than that. So I think he understood, but he kept saying he didn't want to waste his time.
1: Yeah, like I have time to waste.
3: Yeah, right. I, I yeah. So it didn't make a lot of sense, but I f- I feel like we're at a good place now with him. So I, maybe the brokers just try to show his importance or something, but. I did find a way to work this out. Oh, before I forget, he also mentioned that they want backup buyers or something like that. I wouldn't get too jarred by that because he, he kind of made it in passing, but don't get me wrong. I didn't let it slide. I did remind him about the no shop provision and all that, but I think we worked it out. So what I think will make this go forward is you may have to put something out of pocket, some kind of escrow deposit. I assume that's not an issue, right?
1: No, that's no problem.
3: Okay, cool. So they're willing to move forward if you put down a $15,000 deposit, we paper it up, make sure it's refundable. If you don't move forward, it will, of course, be applied, or I should say, if you do move forward, it will be applied to the purchase price. If you back out for whatever reason, then you'll be obligated to return it.
1: Um. Yeah, that's totally fine. And frankly, I really don't even care if it's non-refundable. I really just want to get started with the process.
3: I figured. So we'll make it refundable, though, you know, nonetheless. To do it quickly, we'd usually do an escrow, but you may want to think about not doing one either, which I, I've done this with the LOIs, especially very early. It's a small amount compared to the whole size of the the transaction. And I think it'll also show him that look, you're committed to doing this and that also it, it you're showing that you're giving the seller a certain level of trust as well.
1: Yeah, totally. And I mean that that won't be an issue at all. You said uh, fifteen thousand, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Um that it can be lower if you want.
1: No, no, no. That's fine. I was just confirming.
2: All right. Very good. Uh, we could do do a quick amendment to the L.I. and send it over today. Do you want an escrow or no escrow?
1: Um, I, I mean, I think without is fine. All
2: right. I'll send that over to you shortly.
3: Okay. Thank you. We'll talk later.
1: Okay. Bye.
3: All right. We're back. And that call was brought to you by our sponsor. Who's our sponsor this week, Matt? Let me look here.
2: Uh, today, it uh, looks like it's Pashala PC.
3: Oh, perfect. You know, I actually use them pretty much any time I need any kind of business legal services. I don't know about you.
2: Yeah. How how did that go?
3: Actually, excellent. I don't don't think I can praise them high enough. In fact, some people say I do it too much.
2: Yeah. You know, sometimes you hear ads on podcasts where it's obviously fake, but this sounds like it's uh, a real experience you had. So...
3: (laughs) (laughs) Right. And you know, we have to pay the bills somehow. So and this is that's what brings you this podcast so well great so <laughs> that was kind of interesting i it's been a while since uh, again since we we heard those calls uh, what was your first impression matt
2: yeah i i kind of forgotten about this almost that you know it seemed like everything was going smoothly and then we had this kind of i, I would view it from your and my perspective as kind of an unknown guy that just came into the picture we didn't know too much about him i don't think we even learned too much about him even by the end of the transaction, but he was, it's kind of just a problem causer.
3: Right. Well, let me, let me tell you about this guy because uh, this wasn't shared in the call. I don't, am not even sure if I shared this with the client because it wasn't really relevant, but this person, again, I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty certain that he may or may not have been a broker. He called himself one. Maybe he put him, put together some few deals here and there, but really came off as a, Friend of the family, or even a family member of some sort, because he was just being overly protective of his client, so to speak, and really not adding value. and And frankly, this this happens all the time, I and mean, it's not very uh, uncommon. That's why I, I I call these guys; these are guys are interlopers for deals, is they just find themselves hanging around and really not adding much to it, and really causing issues. And this can happen whether it's a friend attorney that they may have or some business partner or what have you. And these guys are not deal makers. In fact, they're
2: quite the opposite. Yeah. And you never know what you're going to get. I mean, sometimes we've had experiences where sometimes you have somebody come into the picture and it makes things a lot easier because if you have somebody, true. if you have someone that experienced and knows what they're doing, it, it just makes the whole process more seamless. But I'd I'd much rather have just no one come into the fold compared to this guy because it just, it was causing problems. And I think you've kind of said this before, not for, for him, but just in general, it's, it's someone who just knows, knows just enough, but not, not too much where it's, it's just going to make things much more worse than, you know, having no one at all. It's, it's those people that just have a little bit of knowledge or maybe, have a little bit of uh, experience, but it's just not enough. And it just kind of, I don't want to say it blew up the transaction, but it w- got on the verge.
3: Yeah, it was, uh, they they knew too much for their own good. And and it, it didn't blow up the transaction, but I think that is credit to our buyer, right? Because, and of course, you know, not to toot our own horn, but also ourselves to guide them through that process, because I can very easily see a client or a buyer that is a little bit more sensitive to these kinds of things, and just you know look i don't want to deal with this i 'm just going to walk away i 'm going to find another urgent care to buy because I mean look the first thing that this broker told us um, to, told our buyer told her, but also when I got on the phone with him was that look we 're not going to provide any financials or disclosures until we get a signed purchase agreement and it's like when you start out that way that's not how you make a deal, and further that's not how deals work i mean look we we we're not going to commit to buying your business unless we know exactly what we're buying it's a very basic concept. Very rarely do you have any commitment that's un- you know sight unseen and maybe verifiable later, especially when it's a small business context you know a lot of times. In a big transaction, there may be some representations in the beginning that, hey, so long as your documentation says X, Y, and Z, and they've been through this a bunch of times,
2: then it will go through well. Yeah. The one thing, too, if, if you recall the last, the last episode, it just seemed like everything was so easy, and it seemed like everything was kind of agreed to for the most part, and we're just going to get through this process without any hiccups, and then we have this guy come into the picture, uh-huh. and it's just a, a complete 180.
3: Right. But I think the lesson here is, is that when you encounter you're buying a business and you encounter one of these incidences, right? Whether it's something that you unexpected or some third party kind of throwing a wrench in the wheel, really you have to kind of look past that, just like in business, don't take it personal. And that's what we did here, right? They were coming to us, they they had a concern, which is not, by the way, crazy, which is they've heard in the past, and this is true. You'll have these looky loos of buyers that are just want to look under the hood and go on to the next one. Like, I mean, imagine like if I'm gonna get into the urgent care business, and one of the best ways for me to learn, you know, about an urgent care business is to look at the financials and things like that. And they may be concerned about that, which and so in that aspect, that's why I think the broker was making a good point just in a very bad and poor way. And so in response, what did we do? I said, okay, what can we show? to the seller that the buyer is serious. Very simply, let's put some money down. Let's put some money where our mouth is. And that gives some assurances to the seller. And we even went beyond that and saying, look, we don't even need a third party escrow to hold the money. We're just going to give you directly. Yeah, you still have to give it back if we back out, but it shows that we're, we trust you and that we're in it to purchase your business. We're not just amateurs here.
2: Yeah. And like you said, too, cr- credit to credit to our client in this situation, the, the buyer, because she's kind of rolled with the punches and was willing to just keep this thing moving along. And I think, like you said, it's, it could be the opposite and they could just walk away, but she was willing to to get through this and resolve any of the perceived issues.
3: Right. And and I think, you'll, <laughs> I think for the audience, you'll find that a common theme for this particular client, I, I would say she's not uh, atypical in her disposition with our clients, but she did roll with the punches, as you said, a, a little bit better than
2: most. I would say, yeah, definitely.
3: <laughs> so this was a incidence where a broker wasn't very helpful. But what about a You know, there's brokers can be actually pretty helpful for a deal, right?
2: Yeah, like I said before, it's you know, I've we've definitely had situations where the the buyer and seller they're kind of moving things along but we ha- we have that broker come into the picture and it just makes everything kind of sync up and and they know they know the things that need to be done and the you know decisions that need to be made to to keep the transaction going so yeah it's it, w- this call is not necessarily what you're, the experience that you're going to have if you do have a broker that comes in into the equation but it's uh yeah, I mean unfortunately for, for for her here, that was the case, but yeah, it can definitely be a positive overall as well.
3: Right, and and I think in our next episode, if I if I recall correctly, it's uh, we're going to go over on some due diligence uh, aspects of it. But brokers are really helpful at that phase because, besides making the introduction to putting people together, that's frankly the easy part. Anyone can do that if you know know the right people, if you're personable and know how to market, that's pretty easy. The hard part is during the transaction. And one thing I'll find is that when a competent broker is involved and they are not just an intro maker, but they're involved in the transaction, when the buyer requests due diligence information, they have a knack of getting that information from the seller. And not only that, getting it in an organized way. Little things like presenting it into one folder or a Dropbox or you know, organizing it by the request, not getting just a data dump of whatever the buyers requested. And those little things, and this is advice for a seller and a buyer, it's like uh, f- from a seller's perspective, look, if, if you want your business to sell at the highest price, make the process as easy as possible. Show that you're professional. At the same time, from a buyer's perspective, a seller that's disorganized, their financials are all over the place, it's a great tool to actually make it, to actually negotiate. Look, look, you know, I'm, I'm buying into a mess. I don't care how much money you're making. These records aren't adequate. They're, may, they may not be accurate. There's flaws in it. I, I have to buy those at a discount because of it. Because when I'm buying into it, there's more unknowns. There's more to clean up and so forth. And That can be uh, used to the other person's advantage.
2: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And I think the big takeaway from this is just when you're, you know, just, just assume if, if you're, if you're buying in the situation, just assume that, you know, a, a third party might come into the fold and, you know, hopefully that you think that they're going to, they're going to make the right, they're going to, they're going to keep moving things along, but, you know, just be prepared in case they're not. And if, if you're the buyer and you're, there's a, a broker in the picture that's like you said, just make sure that they're well versed in this in the transaction. I mean certain brokers are only get involved in certain industries or certain types of transactions. So if you're gonna go that route, um, you know, just make sure that it's somebody who is experienced in that because that's it's really going to help you in the long run.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And and you you mentioned that's a good point about industry-specific brokers. I unlike when you buy a real estate, they're yeah, there's brokers for... Actually, I guess it's similar to buying meals. There's brokers for certain areas, whether it's commercial or residential, mm-hmm. whether they focus on uh, certain neighborhoods and so forth. Similarly, there are brokers just for specific industries. And, and I don't know about you. I, I mean, I've found that it's probably more common for a seller to in, uh, engage a broker than a buyer, Yeah, but it goes both ways for sure. They definitely... You know, work differently, but it's, it's because with businesses, it's not like you have a public MLS system. There are directories and there are systems like that, but it's not as uniform. And so, it's actually pretty difficult if you're in the market of buying a particular business, finding the the right seller because they often don't advertise it in necessarily the forums that you would be
2: looking. Yeah. And you you bring up a good point, too. So we haven't talked about this. Sometimes the broker can be involved in the sense that they they find. So if you're the seller represented by a broker, sometimes they can find the buyer as well. I mean, it just depends on what the the services they offer. But that's another option. And obviously, that can be extremely valuable because, you know, (laughs) if you don't have a buyer and they find one, that's that's what needs to be done to, you know, affect the purchase. Right. And
3: then I think. Lastly, I want to make sure we cover that a lot of these brokers are not licensed. Many states require them to be licensed, or I should say a few states do. But even where they do, they often aren't. And the, I don't have too much of an issue on this because, you know, at the end of the day, it's like so long as they're providing the service and so forth. But definitely, states care and it can it can affect a negative, uh, in a negative way, commission and things like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think we always advise to, well, I guess we don't advise, we, we end up doing it is looking up the the actual broker themselves to see if they are licensed. Cause it just gives us a little more insight into how they're going to, you know, what their involvement is going to be in the transaction, I guess.
3: Right. So in our next episode, we start getting into the due diligence period prior to escrow, but after this letter of intent. So you'll find you'll see that the seller finally does start disclosing information, allowing our buyer to look under the hood, so to speak. And of course, when you buy a used car, there's always something, right? So that's something that we're going to take a look at next episode.
2: Yeah, definitely. Nothing too crazy, but uh, I guess you'll have to listen in to, to see for sure.
3: All right, well, I'm looking forward to next episode. Of course, this is something that we really need from you. I believe we've made it a requirement from now on, if I recall Matt, is to right is that right? We've You're supposed to say yes. Oh
2: yeah, sorry. I thought <laughs> it cut out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. uh, you're supposed to say yeah. Uh we definitely made a requirement as in exchange for listening to the show, you have to leave a positive five, ten star review on all the you know applicable. Platforms, especially I would say, let's see, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And yes, we're on Spotify as well. Yeah,
2: actually, I'm looking on Spotify reviews, and it looks like the broker from this transaction actually gave us a five star review. So,
3: <laughs> well, that that shows you like that's how good we are. I mean, it is out of fifty stars, but you know, still. Yeah.
2: I guess I gave a little bit very... a little too much insight into how that transaction ended up. So, but.
3: very good and then of course uh visit our social media we're active on twitter instagram facebook and pretty much everything and so definitely feel free to engage us leave a comment and, and like our post of course and most importantly though Submit your questions and comments. We want to hear from you, whether it's what we're going to cover on our next episode or if you had questions about this episode, drop us online. You can send it by email or social media. Email is info at legallysoundsmartbusiness.com.
2: Yeah, please do.
3: All right. Well, I think that's it. Thank you for joining us. Yep.
2: Keep it sound. Keep it smart. Next on Behind the Buy. He was supposed to give notice to exercise that option six months prior.
3: I I told you, you know, twists and turns. This is how these transactions go.
0: You just listened to Legally Sound Smart Business with Asar Pasha and Matt Staub. For more information about the podcast, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. This podcast is intended, but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening to or engaging with the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is produced for entertainment and educational purposes only. Do not rely on the information on this podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and does not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. This podcast may contain portrayals of clients by non-clients, reenactment of scenes and persons which are not actual or authentic and depictions which are a dramatization.